This Spotlight edition of the Security Ledger podcast is sponsored by Trusted Computing Group. Through open standards and specifications, Trusted Computing Group enables secure computing. Through its member-driven workgroups, TCG enables the benefits of trust in computing devices from mobile to embedded systems, as well as networks, storage, infrastructure, and cloud security. More than a billion devices include TCG technologies. Check them out at trustedcomputinggroup.org. Hello and welcome to a Spotlight edition of the Security Ledger podcast. I'm Paul Roberts, Editor-in-Chief at the Security Ledger. In this edition of the podcast... That was only 600,000 devices with Mirai. We have into the billions of connected IoT devices now. Imagine if instead of 600,000, it was 600 million. Still a small subset of the IoT device population, but a thousand times bigger than the biggest distributed denial of service attack we've ever seen before. That would just be catastrophic. 20 years ago, the Trusted Computing Group formed as a consortium of technology vendors concerned about the scourges of viruses and worms, which were ravaging the still young internet. But as the second decade of the 21st century draws to a close, Trusted Computing Group faces a monumental challenge as computing shifts from PCs, laptops, and servers to a vast universe of other devices, the Internet of Things. As our guest this week, Steve Hanna of Trusted Computing Group, points out, many of those devices are not suited to run traditional TPM-type technologies because they're too small, too power-constrained, or both. In this Spotlight podcast, Steve and I talk about how Trusted Computing Group is adjusting to the transition to the IoT and how it's working to bring both hardware and software-based routes of trust to a much larger and more diverse population of devices. Steve and I talk about why Trusted Computing Group succeeded over the last two decades when so many other industry consortiums have failed, and how the early backing of companies like Microsoft and IBM gave Trusted Computing Group technologies a critical boost in the marketplace. My name is Steve Hanna. I'm a senior principal at Infineon Technologies, and at Trusted Computing Group, I'm co-chair of the Embedded Systems Workgroup. The reason we're talking today, Steve, is the 20th anniversary of the Trusted Computing Group. So I thought for our listeners who may or may not be familiar with TCG, give us just a quick intro to the group and also the uh, origin story of how you became involved with TCG and some of the things you've worked on over the years. So Trusted Computing Group, TCG, we're a standards group, an industry consortium. Uh, with academic and government involvement as well. And we create standards for things like the trusted platform module or trusted network communications, self-encrypting drives. These are all security technologies, building blocks, as we like to say. They get built into systems. Uh, Some of them are built in as chips, hardware security chips. Some are built in as software components or built into hard drives, or I should say SSDs these days. They provide fundamental security capabilities like hardware encrypted storage. The reason that Trusted Computing Group was created 20 years ago, that was the days of PCs, viruses, and worms, which are still unfortunately around. But there weren't a lot of technologies to deal with that except for antivirus. And the industry was looking for 
what could we do to make computers more secure at a fundamental level? Could we build something into the hardware that would make them more secure? And the discovery was yes, that there was some research already being done at IBM and at Microsoft that could be used for this purpose. And that's when TCG came together to create what became TPM 1.0, Trusted Platform Module Standards 1.0. And then over time, this grew and it became a standard feature of business PCs. Every business PC today has a TPM in it, a hardware security chip, and it's used by the operating system for things like Windows Hello, that is authentication, or BitLocker. It's supported by all the Linux distributions, standard, out of the box. There's software support for it. And it's uh, used in a variety of different settings. I think we could say that TCG has been a success in that way, in that uh, our technology is widely used in PCs and beyond today. I mean, I've written about so many industry consortiums over the years, kind of efforts by different companies, either within an industry vertical or across verticals to sort of do what Trusted Computing Group has been able to do, which is really promulgate a set of standards and technologies and then actually get adopted and form the foundation of, I guess, what we call kind of next generation capabilities in this case around you know, security and attestation and identity. What in your mind is the explanation for why it worked, it has worked so well with Trusted Computing Group? You know, we're 20 years in, the technology is ubiquitous and leveraged quite heavily. And was there sort of in your mind or you're thinking a breakthrough moment or a, a kind of inflection point where uh, it was it became clear that the TCG standards and underlying technology were going to be broadly adopted and used? I think it was James Gosling who uh, wrote a blog post a long, long time ago. He was the inventor of Java. And what he said is there were certain points in technology development that are ripe for standardization. If you try to standardize too early, it's not going to work because you don't really understand the problem yet and what the possible solutions are. If you try too late, well, it's not going to work then either because people are just fixated on how they've decided to implement it in their particular product. But if you can find that just right time, that is, people know there's a problem, they agree there's a problem, they understand some of the ways to solve the problem, and they haven't yet ossified into one way of solving that problem with each person having their own way, then you have a good time for standards. Now, I think TCG has done a good job of identifying those critical moments and coming up with the technology and introducing the technology and getting the key industry players on board at just the right time. And I think it's just clear that security, cybersecurity, is one of the major problems of our era. And so it's not some niche problem. This is something that everybody worries about. Every person who has a computer or a mobile phone or an IoT device or even a modern car worries about cybersecurity if they're well-informed. And 
the manufacturers want to build in a good solution. The standards give them a way to do that at an affordable price because they can buy a standards-based product already supported by the operating system and they don't have to do a whole bunch of custom integration on their own. So it ends up being very attractive for a PC manufacturer or an IoT device manufacturer to adopt this technology instead of going to the point of and the cost and the expense and the effort of rolling their own. And thank goodness that we have these standards because now with the introduction of IoT, we have so many more devices out there that potentially could become infected and that we need to protect. So Trust and Computing Group and TPM, as you discussed or you explained, kind of grew up in the era of the desktop laptop server, particularly kind of Windows. These days, we have the Internet of Things and uh, many more endpoints, greater variety of endpoints, size constrained, resource constrained. So what's TPM doing to address IoT use cases, which are very different than those original use cases? Well, there are a couple of things that Trusted Computing Group is doing about that. One of the things that you have to recognize with the IoT is that there are tons of different things that get connected, highly diverse, as you said, both in their uh, design and their profile, their risk level. I mean, the level of security that you need for your front door lock is probably different from the level that you need for a light bulb in your house, and certainly different from what's needed for a chemical plant. So what we do in terms of trusted computing and trusted computing group is to provide a variety of different options for hardware root of trust. And that looks like this. The TPM is now with TPM 2.0, a library. That is, each product developer can decide, okay, I'm going to create a TPM for this specific application, for automotive, for industrial, or whatnot. And I'm going to put in just the features that I might need uh, in that application. And we have also created some additional options. So you can have a hardware TPM as a separate chip. You can have one integrated into the chipset. You can have one that isn't hardware at all, but is a software TPM or a firmware TPM. So there are a lot of different ways to create these different, uh, this same capability, but in different form. Now, for the IoT environment, you use the appropriate one for whatever problem you're trying to solve. For industrial IoT, you need to have something that has a long product lifetime and a high level of security capability. Uh, for the light bulb or perhaps uh, the sensor, you need something that has a little less uh, security, a little more affordability, and a little uh, less uh, battery. There's also a new technology that we've just created called DICE. And this mm -hmm. device identity composition engine is designed to be an even smaller subset of the capabilities provided by the TPM and something that can easily be integrated into existing processors and processor architecture. So it's the same fundamental capabilities, the cryptography, 
but just using them appropriately for each application within the Internet of Things. You're listening to a Spotlight edition of the Security Ledger podcast, sponsored by Trusted Computing Group. Through open standards and specifications, Trusted Computing Group enables secure computing. Through its member-driven workgroups, TCG enables the benefits of trust in computing devices from mobile to embedded systems, as well as networks, storage, infrastructure, and cloud security. More than a billion devices include TCG technologies. Check them out at trustedcomputinggroup.org. So, I mean, one of the things that strikes me when we're talking about the Internet of Things is, you know, part of Trusted Computing Group's success early on in the PC era was obviously gaining the support of companies like Microsoft, uh, which basically owned, you know, approaching 100% of the operating system market at the time, and of major uh, customers as well, notably the the U.S. government. And, and between those two, the government on the buying side Microsoft on the operating system side, TCG had some very big supporters in its corner as it, as it looked to standardize, get others to, to use the technology. But with the IoT, there's a lot more cat herding involved, right? I mean, there are so many different companies with arguably, it's, it's pretty much every company, but certainly anybody making anything. And there is no real standard operating system. How do you court and win over such a large and diverse group of manufacturers, software makers, and so on? As a device manufacturer, and you're building an IoT device, what you want to focus on is the features and functionality of that device, creating a really cool app and a really great experience for your consumer. You don't want to spend your R&D money on security technology, but you know you have to build that security in. So what you're looking for is not that different from what the PC manufacturers were looking for 20 years ago, and that is some technology that you can take and put into your product that is going to solve that security problem and that uh, is not going to cost you an arm and a leg. So I think the standards-based approach uh, remains an appealing one for those product manufacturers. But still, as you say, there are some movers and shakers in the IoT market, and uh, we have reached out to them. And that's why we're fortunate to have members like Microsoft with their Azure cloud and Google with Mm -hmm. their cloud and their IoT devices and so on and so forth. Those folks are able to influence the expectations in the marketplace to raise the bar, as it were, from, oh, IoT, it doesn't have any security and you can't expect much, to, no, we need to have hardware security built in uh, because, well, uh, the competition has it. That's how we do it. Find those key influencers, uh, get them involved, and the same formula. (laughs) If you could kind of entertain us here with a, with a vision, give us a vision, if you would, of a secure Internet of Things to contrast with what we have now, which is, by and large, a pretty insecure Internet of Things. What might that look like in the context of, say, you know, your smart home? But before I get too deeply into that vision, a fantasy we might call it, let me point out that in your home or your corporation, 
wherever your enterprise and whatever you're doing, you're always going to have legacy systems. Now, it might be more extreme in some cases, like industrial settings, where you have 30-year-old systems. But even in your home, you probably have 10-year-old systems, uh, appliances and the like. So we have to recognize that there will always be legacy systems in any environment. And so the architecture that we describe and that I'm about to describe has to be one that works with those legacy systems and keeps them secure in spite of the fact that they can't be updated. They might be out of warranty, for example. So the architecture that we recommend is one that upgrades as many of these devices as possible, creates as many secured IoT devices with things like strong device authentication capability and encryption for any local storage and encrypted integrity protected communications back to the cloud. So yes, all of those things are important. Secure software update. And those need to be built into new devices that are coming off the manufacturing line. But for those legacy systems, how do we handle those? The best approach is a security gateway. It's really the only practical approach. Those devices, they need to connect back to, say, the control room in a factory or Mm -hmm. the cloud or your phone in a home setting. And yet they just don't have the ability to secure themselves. They weren't built that way. A security gateway can provide a secure conduit, a secure pipe to protect the insecure communications of those legacy devices. And it can provide protection against attacks from outside to make sure that those devices don't become infected. Or if they do, that that infection is stopped and they're fixed as soon as possible. So a gateway-based approach for legacy devices, that's what we recommend. And building the security in from the start for new devices, putting it as much as possible in the hardware and building on that hardware for new devices. That's uh, the approach that we recommend. We're not unique in that. The International Standards for Industrial Cybersecurity, IEC 62443, say basically the same thing. So I know some of the work you're you're doing now is to um, make TCG technology work for the Internet of Things and to that end kind of uh, really driving towards you know, very, as you say, tiny TPMs. Can you talk just a little bit about, I don't want to call it the miniaturization of the TPM, but some of the things that, that TCG is working on to um, right-size the technology for Internet of Things use cases? I know you mentioned DICE as one, but, uh, but there are others as well. Yes, there's something called MARS, which is, uh, this is still in the research stage, I have to point out. We haven't issued any standards for this, but uh, Mars basically says, can we just take the primitive components of the TPM and put those into hardware and let everything else be implemented in software? So those primitive components are things like a root of trust for measurement and a root of trust for storage. That is the ability to measure the first software that loads. And to store those measurements securely. And if we can do that, and we can do it 
with basically the same hardware that we have in computers today, then we don't have to add additional secure hardware uh, for the TPM. You include those fundamental cryptographic capabilities uh, from the get-go and without requiring any substantial investment uh, in security. Now, that's not the only thing that we're doing that's really cutting-edge security. We're also working on cyber resiliency, which is a very interesting topic I'd like to talk a little bit about if we have time today. Sure. So cyber resiliency is the concept that sometimes things go wrong and devices get infected. And how do you recover from that? Well, you need to be able to detect it. And you need to be able to respond to it. Now, today, the state of the art is, oh, we're going to identify that infected device and we're going to quarantine it. And we'll notify the administrator, you know, go out there and fix that device. It's infected. Uh, That doesn't work very well in the Internet of Things because you might have a million or 10 million devices out there. And if just a few percent of them get infected, I mean, if we do everything we can to stop it, but if it happens, well, how are you going to solve that? Are you going to send your administrator out to fix 10,000 devices, some of which might be, you know, in the tundra, in the Arctic, or on a pole, light pole or something like that? Very expensive and somewhat impractical to imagine we're going to do that, yet we don't want to abandon them. So by building in these fundamental resilience capabilities, into the device, the device itself can have the ability to recognize that it's become infected and to bring itself back to a secure uh, configuration. So it's sort of like an immune Mm -hmm. system for the device, not to say we're going to keep out all possible infections, but when one does get in, we're going to identify it, we're going to target it, we're going to get ourselves into a healthy state and then be able to be verified using that same measured boot and remote attestation capability that TPMs always offered so that you can know, oh, the device is healthy now uh, and we can let it go about its business once again. So that's a new thing. We have a new work group focused on cyber resilience and our members are very excited about building that into their next generation of products. Right, because, I mean, we saw, obviously, with the Mirai botnet, uh, whatever it was, three or four years ago, what happens when you have these kind of endemic population of insecure, you know, unmanaged or loosely managed devices, right? I mean, they become a breeding ground for malware and and for pretty damaging attacks. Yeah, and that was only 600,000 devices with Mirai. Yeah. We have into the billions of connected IoT devices now. So that's many orders of magnitude more than what you saw with Mirai. Imagine if instead of 600,000, it was 600 million. Still a small subset of the IoT device population, but a thousand times bigger than the biggest distributed denial of service attack we've ever seen before. Uh, that would just be, you know, catastrophic. We can't afford that. We have to stop these infections early. And to do that, we have to do it with hardware because if if you just use a software approach, number one, you're probably not going to find and fix all the security bugs. There's always a few lingering there. And number two, the 
attacker can get in and infect the device at such a low level, they can be rejecting uh, all of your updates. Just like, nope, don't need it. No, thanks. I'm good here. I'm all infected. Yeah. I'm going to stay that way. Yeah. It's, it's not a good thing. In order for us to avoid that Armageddon, digital Armageddon, uh, we have to have these self-healing devices. Fighting the good fight, right, Steve? That's right. Hey, Steve Hanna from Infineon and Trusted Computing Group. Thanks so much once again for coming in and speaking to us on Security Ledger Podcast. And of course, congratulations on the 20th anniversary of Trusted Computing Group. Thanks, Paul. I'll come back in another 10 or 20 years and we can do another one of these. <laughs> that, that, that sounds great. We'll just, we'll actually just, we'll communicate like brain to brain at that point. We won't really need the uh, intermediary of the uh, internet, I think. No risks there. No, I'm sure none. <laughs> All right, Steve Hanna. Steve Hanna is a senior principal at Infineon Technologies and co-chair of the Embedded Systems Work Group at Trusted Computing Group. You've been listening to a Spotlight edition of the Security Ledger podcast sponsored by Trusted Computing Group. Through open standards and specifications, Trusted Computing Group enables secure computing. Through its member-driven workgroups, TCG enables the benefits of trust in computing devices from mobile to embedded systems, as well as networks, storage, infrastructure, and cloud security. More than a billion devices include TCG technologies. Check them out at trustedcomputinggroup.org. 